a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We often take for granted our right to freely practice our religion, our faith in the United States of America, but this right is increasingly coming under attack uh, here at home and around the world. So how can we protect that? Why should we protect religious liberty and freedom? And what value does having a religiously free society have on our communities? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Yesterday, President Dallin H. Oaks, the first counselor in the first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, spoke in Rome at uh, Sapienza University about religious freedom and why it matters. The speech was presented in the framework of a university course there, Global Humanities, Critical Theories, and Transnational Cultures. Uh, as he began, uh, President Oaks noted that he was speaking to imp- an important audience of future leaders from many different nations. And he shared some of his background in terms of uh, what led him or brought him to that stage yesterday in Rome. Uh, he talked about his 34 years in the legal profession, 10 years in higher education, and of course the last 37 years in church leadership for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so his interesting background, uh, again, 34 years in legal, 10, uh, 10 years in higher education, and 37 uh, as a church leader, uh, positioned him in a, an interesting way to have this conversation about religious liberty and religious freedom. And so President Oaks began by talking about his own experience as a religious leader and what it had taught him about just the baseline value of religious freedom. Today, I speak mostly from my experiences in the United States. However, my service as a leader in a worldwide church has exposed me to freedom of religion and belief in many nations and cultures. In most of these, I see common principles that can establish workable relationships between governments and those who seek freedom of religion or belief. On that subject, we have much to learn from one another. I am therefore very pleased to participate in this educational experience. Of course, uh, President Oaks has spoken often about uh, religious freedom, but I love the fact that in speaking to this audience in this university setting, that he said, we have much to learn from one another. Uh, and that's, uh, I think that's an important thing, that remaining curious, uh, even for someone with his wealth of knowledge and deep experience. President Oaks went on to say that religious freedom is fundamental for a free society, as well as for what he believes is God's plan. Freedom of religion and belief is an essential condition for a free society. It's the oldest of our internationally recognized fundamental rights. 
In the current list of international human rights, it was the first to receive formal protection. As such, religious freedom can be seen as the grandparent of all the other rights. Though sometimes neglected in our secular age, freedom of religion is not neglected by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For us, religious freedom is a fundamental feature of our religious doctrine. Freedom of choice is therefore fundamental to God's plan. Uh, it's interesting that uh, President Oaks then quoted from the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, obviously, this was an audience that was European for the most part, uh, and they are celebrating the seventh, 73rd anniversary of the adoption of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. And President Oaks dug into that a little bit. There's some really powerful language in here. Take a listen. That is why we welcome the great statement in Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, quote, everyone has the right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. This right includes freedom to change his religion or belief, and freedom either alone or in community with others, and in public or private, to manifest his religion or belief in teaching, practice, worship, and observance. He went on to uh, quote again uh, from this document, and this is so powerful. This is something we don't often talk about here in the United States. Of course, we have our own documents that relating to uh, the exercise of religion and faith and belief. Uh, but this is important perspective, I think, for us as we look at the broader global impact of uh, freedom of religion. Uh, President Oaks uh, quoted from the Declaration again. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. So President Oaks went on and talked about how religion and religious freedom uh, have come under scrutiny. And he actually made a plea and a call for greater understanding of what this important human right is really all about. Some, viewing freedom of religion through secular filters, have seen it as a vestige of what they see as a now outdated religious age. In contrast, its continuing, even increasing importance has been recognized by numerous scholars and experts working on freedom of religion or belief at the international level. Recent years have witnessed renewed attention to freedom of religion and belief. This reflects the growing recognition that relegating religious belief to political back burners allows important challenges to fester and ultimately cause deep social problems. We need broader and deeper understanding of these fundamental rights. I love that he dug into this, that uh, some view freedom of religion through secular filters uh, and just think this is, you know, an outdated vestige, just as just outdated old, old school stuff. Uh, but again, uh, numerous scholars are starting to see, no, it's, it's different. There's real power there. 
Uh, if we do relegate it to the back burner, that's when things fester, and that's when we end up with, with deeper societal problems. Now, I, I want to dig into this just a little bit further. Uh, as President Oaks, again, uh, speaking in Rome yesterday to a unique group of international young students, future leaders, as he described them, uh, President Oaks went on to give a few reasons why it was important for everyone, believers and non-believers alike, to protect religious freedom, the first being the correlation between religious freedom and the protection of many other rights. We now have extensive empirical evidence that a country's performance in protecting religious freedom correlates not only with the protection of other key rights, but also with other social goods, such as economic freedom, higher per capita gross domestic product, better incomes for women, gender equality, higher literacy rates, better health and education, and consolidation of democracy. I think that's important that he talked about some of the byproducts of protecting that right and that other key rights uh, in terms of economic freedom, higher per capita gross domestic product, better incomes for women, gender equality, higher literacy rates, and so on, uh, were all a reflection and an extension of religious freedom. Uh, He also drew a correlation between religious freedom and the stability of society. Moreover, religious freedom can be beneficial in unexpected contexts. Protecting freedom to engage in religious persuasion correlates with increased social stability. Indeed, the key to stability and harmony is not homogeneity in religious or other foundational beliefs, but shared assurances that everyone will be secure in following his or her foundational beliefs. It's not about sameness. Oneness is not sameness when it comes to protecting that freedom to engage in religious persuasion. Uh, Finally, President Oaks said that religious freedom creates a peaceful and, very importantly, a diverse society. Religious liberty promotes pluralism and peace. For centuries, people fought over religious differences, often as government suppressing one religion in the name of another. Religious liberty has allowed people of diverse religious traditions to live together in peace and friendship, despite profound disagreements. The history of religious freedom demonstrates that respect begets respect. President Oaks pointed out that uh, often religion gets criticized for some of the divisive things that have happened over history. And he pointed out something that really caught my attention, that uh, so much of that violence in our history wasn't motivated uh, by religion, but by things like ethnicity, politics, and tribalism. I also remind academic critics who condemn religion as the source of great atrocities in the past that they should remember more recent history. The mass killings of the last century were not done in the name of religion. The killings of the Holocaust, the Stalinist purges, the killing fields of the Khmer Rouge, and the ethnic cleansing in Central Africa have been primarily motivated by ethnic, political, or tribal differences not religious rivalries. 
as he was talking about uh, the ways that some people try to use or look at religion as a divisive mechanism, he did invite them to look at recent history. Again, ethnicity, politics, tribalism seems to be driving it much more. He went on to say that religious freedom actually unifies society in that it allows everyone to live together in spite of different beliefs. While some believe that religious freedom protects forces that divide society, history teaches that these guarantees are forces to hold society together. The key to stability is not a homogenous society unified in basic values, but the protection of rights for all to live together with their distinctive beliefs. That respect is the best protection against violence in the name of religion. So President Oaks said that religious freedom allows us to help the disadvantaged in society, quoting uh, many of his colleagues uh, in the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, including Elder D. Todd Christofferson. I proceed with another vital strength described by Elder Christofferson. Freedom of religion allows diverse faith communities to continue providing critical services to society and its most dis advantageous members, end of quote. Indeed, freedom of religion or belief not only allows such services, it undergirds and protects the beliefs and institutional mechanisms that make such communal actions both possible and likely. So looking at what religious freedom allows people to do and organizations, religious organizations, other organizations to do to help the disadvantaged in society, he went on to give some examples of the Church of Jesus Christ's humanitarian efforts around the world. Although our conventional humanitarian programs are relatively small when measured against global needs, the fact that we live under the umbrella of religious freedom protections has nevertheless allowed us to make sizable contributions. Thus, from 1985 to the present, as our church has grown in numbers and international presence, Latter-day Saint Charities has provided over two and a half billion U.S. dollars in aid in 203 countries and territories. In doing so, it has collaborated with governments and many interfaith organizations to provide life-saving emergency supplies and sustainable longer-term relief. President uh, Oaks went on to make the case for civil pluralism in society, quoting uh, Professor Cole Durham, uh, who, uh, of course, has a long history and long focus on the study of religious freedom. I agree wholeheartedly with Professor Cole Durham's teachings on this subject, and here I quote, Civil pluralism can bring the best insights of diverse views together in cultivating the common good. Contrary to the pluralism of egotistical self-assertion, the pluralism we need is a pluralism in which different people with diverse experience and diversity of intellectual and spiritual background, come together to share their highest and best visions of what is good for human communities. This will foster the inputs necessary for democratic institutions to yield optimal outcomes rather than a mere chaos of self-interest. 
Optimum outcomes uh, is what we're really after. I thought it was very interesting. President Joe Biden today, of course, toured some of the devastation in Kentucky from those tornadoes. And it was interesting. They interviewed one woman who said it was great for the president to come, but my needs are being met by my local church, by a volunteer organization, by my neighbors, and by my friends. Uh, And that's this whole pluralistic society that people came together uh, in a really unique way. Now, continuing on with uh, President Oaks, uh, he talked about this pluralistic society where we can come together, get better outcomes. He said, we must learn to accept laws that we don't like and better understand people who are different than we are. The reality of living together in a pluralistic society is that we must accept some laws we dislike and learn to live peacefully with some persons whose values differ from our own. We should not expect or seek total dominance for our own positions, but in the exercise of mutual respect, we should seek fairness for all. This, of course, requires that we seek to understand the experience and concerns of others. President Oak said that while we must stand up for our own rights, uh, we must also respect the rights of others. My friends, I urge that freedom of religion and belief requires not only the importance of standing for our own rights, but at a deeper level also requires us to recognize the rights of others as well. Sometimes what is realistically possible is only a relatively small step. But it is a good beginning because it shows respect. We need to begin to achieve understanding, but more is obviously necessary. So as President Oaks uh, went through that, I love this idea of respect and restraint uh, and that we need to to focus on that common ground, uh, that we can focus on understanding those who are different than we are. Uh, it is always true that society is at its best uh, when we have that acceptance. Uh, President Oaks went on to talk about uh, just how vital it is that we recognize that that oneness is not sameness, uh, that it is not about being monolithic in beliefs or in opinions, uh, but in valuing those differences, seeing the good in those differences, staying curious about those differences so that we can continue to learn because that is where we get to better conversations that can have a more positive impact on more people. President Oaks concluding this address, again, this was a speech delivered yesterday at Sapienza University in Rome, Italy, uh, to a a group of young people from many different countries. Uh, He uh, actually quoted one of his colleagues, uh, Elder Quentin L. Cook of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church, and uh, really focused on this idea that we have to come together if we're really going to understand not just each other, but the world around us in new and better ways. I conclude by quoting and joining Elder Quentin L. Cook's important challenge at the recent Notre Dame Religious Liberty Summit. Quote, so what can be done to prevent society's tone deafness that threatens to drown out the beautiful music of faith that can bless us all? Catholics, evangelicals, Jews, Muslims, Latter-day Saints, and other faiths must be part of a coalition of faiths that succor, act as a sanctuary, 
and promulgate religious freedom across the world. Uh, I think that's just a, a vital conversation, and uh, he referenced there uh, Elder Quentin L. Cook in a speech he delivered at Notre Dame uh, University not long ago. And interesting, uh, another uh, reference to someone we've had on this program before he passed away, uh, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, uh, was quoted. Uh, he gave a he gave a speech, uh, the late uh, Rabbi Sachs, uh, back in 2011, and he asked the question, Rabbi Sachs did, has Europe lost its soul? And Rabbi Sachs then described an aggressive scientific atheism that is tone deaf to the music of faith. And again, in a pluralistic society, uh, valuing that difference, uh, not being part of a cancel culture, not uh, falling into the trap as we talked about earlier uh, and that uh, President Oaks spoke about so powerfully uh, in terms of some who look through religion and religious freedom through the lens of of science or look through it uh, a very secular lens, uh, look at it as something that's just, you know, from the past. That's just old school. That's just outdated, quaint. And they miss how powerful that is in the here and now. And that whole idea of uh, getting past our tone deafness to the music of faith and what those different groups can bring and the difference that it makes. Again, the stabilizing force of having religious freedom in a society. Uh, we're watching that in Kentucky. Uh, if you just joined us, we we covered President Biden's speech, uh, his touring of the devastation there from the tornadoes in Kentucky, and uh, the president delivered remarks and promised aid and and support coming from the federal government. And it was just interesting to me on uh, one of the uh, national news networks, uh, they interviewed some of those who had survived it, some who had lost everything, homes just absolutely devastated, businesses just gone. And this woman from Kentucky said, I'm glad the president came. It shows he cares. It shows that we're seen and heard. But then she said, my needs are being met by a local church, by neighbors, by friends, by volunteer organizations. Uh, that's civil society. And civil society is always strengthened when we have this ability to value that pluralism in religious thought. Uh, also interesting, I think, that uh, as President Oaks pointed out uh, to this international audience, uh, how vital that religious freedom is uh, across the world, how it is a sustaining force, not a dividing force, uh, if we allow it to be. And if we can get to that space, then we can really get to the to the end goal where we can get past that that tone deafness, uh, I think, that uh, many see out there. Uh, and I want to reemphasize this uh, from Quentin L. Cook, who said, so what can be done to prevent society's tone deafness that threatens to drown out the beautiful music of faith that can bless us all? Catholics, evangelicals, Jews, Muslims, Latter-day Saints, and other faiths must be part of a coalition of faiths to succor, to act as a sanctuary, and to promulgate religious freedom across the world. A gun in the face. 
Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.